Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Yes, here we go. I'm delighted. We've got everyone's favourite assistant manager, Billy Brown. Thanks for coming on, mate. No problem at all. It's a pleasure, actually. And we're here at Musselbray. Your, uh, your first love, your mum and dad used to wash the kits here as well, I heard. They did, I And me and my wife and the two bairns used to be the terrace and everything here. Uh, I learnt more about football here than I did the other clubs I'd been at. Really? Yeah, I, knew, I found out how to run a football club, you know, how to handle people and the... Uh, it was a miracle that the club kept going. You know, we used to sell tickets every month and things like that. But it was great, and uh, I was here for a long time and enjoyed every minute of it. Brilliant. What, uh, what do you learn at the juniors? Was there a few rough times at the juniors? Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I mean, I tried to, to go about the job the same as I would have went about a senior job, you know, uh, being as professional as I can. Uh, all the boys worked hard. I made sure that everybody wanted to play for the team. And we're fit enough to play for the team, and the uh, I had a lot of good players here. You know. So, but was it fags at half time and stuff like that, or was that is that a myth for the juniors? No, that I seen anyway. Unless they went out to the toilet, I had Didn't one they? at the back. But no, no, very, very professional. You know, I made sure that the club here was uh, professional and uh, run on the right grounds, and we, we had some good players here. A lot of them went senior and things like that. I tell you, you loved the fact he taught us in the interview, Stevie Fulton. Stevie did, I Stevie. Uh, he never, he never did it when Jim and I was there, I've right. got to say, but I knew you could smell it off him sometimes, <laughs> but he, uh, it didn't inhibit his ability. It maybe inhibited his fitness a wee bit, but no, his ability, he was a great player. Stevie Fulton should have played for Real Madrid, they had enough ability to do that, it was great. Wow. Right, on the opposite scale, one of the worst players, Kevin Kyle, give him a bit, because I try to get Jim Jeffries to sort him, but Jim's too nice, but go on, give Kev a bit. He's, he's a big, big, big uh, part of the show. Yeah, it, it, it was great, Kevin. It was great. He, uh, it was never good as he thought he was, you know. <laughs> yes. Because if he had been good as he thought he was, we couldn't have lived with him at all. But he was smashing. He, he, you know, he'll always be remembered at the Hearts for scoring the winner against Hibs in the last minute at Tynecastle. But he was a smashing boy to have around the place. He, uh, one of the problems with, with Kev was his brain and his mouth weren't like, connected sometimes. <laughs> You know, I know and, exactly uh, what you mean. Yeah, it was, and they used to say things they shouldn't have said. But on the whole, it was great to have. He's a smashing big fella, and it, it was a pleasure to, to be with. Brilliant. Right, I need to ask you a favour. See if I make an arse of this, I want you to slaughter us because I w- I'd love to be on the receiving end of a Billy Brown rant. Yeah. You got, you got a particular favourite? What's that? Have you got a particular favourite rant that you, that you had at a play? I, no, no, it didn't happen all the time, you know. Right. It only happens when things are going bad, or if I thought that he, uh, somebody wasn't doing what they should be doing. You know, I was a stickler for for boys being enthusiastic. Massive. You know, you have to be enthusiastic. I mean, I, I'm not saying I was the best coach in the world, but I was one of the most enthusiastic ones, and I liked that for the players. And I used to hate players that that that, that looked like they couldn't care, and that that's when I went off on a tangent. But you know, sometimes. Uh, I used to think when I was driving home in the car, what an arsehole, you know, really. <laughs> and, and I remember once when we were at Bradford, uh, I had a sort of set to Ashley Ward at halftime. Now, Ashley Ward's a big, big lad, six foot three or something, and I, I had him at halftime up against the wall, and 
I was driving home on the Saturday night. I thought, he could have killed me there. <laughs> you know. But you don't, you don't think about that at the time. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you don't think about that. But I mean, you know, I hope I'm no remembered just for that. You know, I, I, I did have one or two rants. I had the, the one at East Fife. Oh, we'll you come know. to that in a bit. Huh? That was uh, tremendous. But in the dressing room, you know, I'd done the team talks in the dressing room and, uh, you know, I liked to make sure everybody knew what they were doing. And the, uh, everybody did. I, I think in the whole, I, I tried to be as much of a human being with the players as I could. You know, if you treat players good, you know, Jim and I had a, a policy. You know, people asked why we lasted so long. We lasted so long because we got rid of the arseholes. <laughs> simple as that. that. If you get rid as of the boys, as that. you get rid of the boys that, that cause you problems in the dressing room, then they do it every week on the pitch. They're usually no bad players these type. Get rid of them because they'll let you down somewhere along the line. Great advice, love it. Well, every person that comes on glowing reports about you, love you. So we're going to go back to the start. Um, your mum and dad, your mum didn't want you getting a football, did she? She wanted you to go and work on the buses, is that right? No, no at the time, it, what, what she did, the time she wanted me to work on the buses, it's when I left Hearts. And because uh, when Hearts trained down here at Musselburgh, I got them a train at Pinky. And uh, I used to take a paper into her house every morning. And uh, she loved that. But when I left Hearts, I was going to Bradford. And she says, what are you going to Bradford for? I says, well, well, well it's the Premiership in England. Could you not get a job in the buses or something? <laughs> this is because I wasn't taking her paper up to her every morning. That's all that was. But, uh, no, I mean, she, she was great. My, my, my and I were great. Yeah, really, you grew up uh, a Hibs fan, boy, didn't you? Who took that? Uh, well, you know, I used to go to Easter Road in Tynecastle week about, and I still do. I take my grandson to Tynecastle one week and Easter Road the next. Uh, one of the reasons that I used to go more to Easter Road, uh, the, the goalkeeper at the time, Willow Wilson, who become our goalie coach at Falkirk, he used to give me, me and my dad free tickets. So that enticed me to, to lean towards the Hibs a wee bit at that time. But so now, is that a split family you've got? Huh? Is your family half hearts, half Hibs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they are. Uh, well, I've got three sisters, you see. Right. Uh, but they're mostly... Can I get the uh, numbers? <laughs> oh, they're getting a wee bit older. Right? They're too old like for that. you now, Simon, I think. <laughs> but you never know. Uh, uh, so, right, you and Jim started, obviously, taking an assistant manager role with Jim. How did he entice you in? He's always big pals. Was it childhood friends? Well, Jim and I were in the same class at the school. Must have been a grammar just across the road there. Was he thick as shit? We weren't in the brainy class, put it that way. <laughs> you know, we, we were in the, uh, I think we were in the football class and we had a really good, in fact, five of our school team become senior professionals, uh, you know, and which is a great achievement. Uh, but that, that's how I got to know Jim and the, uh, we, we played together and obviously I left when we left school and went to Hull and Jim signed for the Hearts. But we were always in touch with each other, we are good pals and, and uh, you know, when he got the Berwick job, he... Uh, you got Lindsay Muir, who played with the Hibs. Lindsay went with him, and I, I went as well. And uh, we hit off, off right away, really. Mm -hmm. And did you was it always in your mind to be an assistant, or was it? Did you want to be the number no, one? No, well, man? I was I was the manager here for a lot of number of years, you know. But uh, when you get a chance to to go up, you, you've got to realise that uh, Jim. The only reason we got there is because Jim got offered the manager's job. Yeah. So I was happy to be the the assistant manager. You know, Lindsay Muir was there as well, but Lindsay, and, you know, drifted away and uh, I become the assistant to Jim there. And uh, Lindsay must be kicking himself, eh? Yeah, yeah, he, he, he probably was. He was a great lad, Lindsay. He played with the Hibs and that. He was a great lad, but I, I think Jim and I uh, gelled as a partnership, you know. What, what, was, it, what was the key of getting, like, see, at part-time level, what, what did you find the key of getting the best out of players? Well, the, the same as we did everywhere. I mean, you know, players like to play in a good team and, and we always had a, a, a way that we could get decent players. We went to Berwick. You know, Jim had been at Galaferidin, uh, East of Scotland League. I was here at Musselburgh in the Junior League and we picked two or three players that enhanced the team there and made the team better. And the other thing is, uh, I got them, they, they trained at Berwick, so you had to get a bus down to Berwick. Some of them lived in West Lothian. We changed the train into Musselburgh, just down at Fisher Links. 
I've, I've managed that a lot of places. Uh, you're not daft, are you? You're my you know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, and we got the team together. We, 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 we changed things. We brought Yogi. Uh, he was a centre-half. Put him up front. Jim probably told you this. Uh, and the, with Ralph Callaghan playing off him. And uh, we got guys called Scott, Scott Sloan for the North English League. And, and they all went and done well. And, and the team gelled. And we went 21 games without defeat. And it shows you how far adrift they were at the bottom of the league. We still finished second bomb. <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, uh, but the great, we, we did great, we got things going, everything was buzzing, and the, uh, the good time at Berwick. By the way, what a great grounding into your coaching career to manage some, uh, coach somebody like John Hughes so early. That must have prepared you for the rest of your coaching career now. Yeah, yeah. Was he well, still the same back then as a young player? Yeah, yeah, he was fantastic. His uh, enthusiasm for the game was absolutely incredible. He, uh, he had a will about him. Uh, wanted to train, wanted to work, wanted to learn. Uh, Mad as a hire, you know, he was, uh, you know, he, some of the things he did were incredible. But uh, What would he do? Well, every time Yogi gets uh, a couple of drinks, he, uh, his trousers come off, you know. <laughs> Sounds like my missus, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no mind. <laughs> uh, but he was great, and, and he's one of the best players I've ever had to do with. And he's also one of the best people I've ever had to do. If you're in trouble, he would help you. And he was great for us as we moved on. You know, we went to Falkirk and that. We got Yogi there and he was, fant he was a fantastic person to have. And you said the hardest player you've had as well? Hardest player. You know, if there's another world war, getting his trench because you've got a chance of winning it. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, Yogi would go through that wall across there to heed the ball. You know, he, he, would, he would go through anything. He was incredible. And some of the, you know, the games he played, and I think Jim told you last week, I mean, I think the first four centre-halves that played against him went off with facial injuries. <laughs> you know, he was, uh, he was as hard as nails, and he got a transfer to Swansea, £70,000. Wow. And what was his line? I love that line. He says, I was a what? I was a altar boy. In. Yeah, yeah. I used, he used to say to me, he's claim for fit. To fame, he was an altar boy in the Borstal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I mean, Yogi, Yogi come for, you know, for Leith. Uh, he was brought up around uh, the Dockers world there and uh, he had to probably learn to fight when he was young and he could handle himself. Brilliant. Uh, <clears throat> making that move to full-time, did you feel like you had to adapt as a coach when you went full-time? Well, I mean, the difference is instead of uh, working at the training twice a week, you had to do it five times a week, you know, and something in the afternoon as well. But uh, I think by the time we got to Falkirk, you know, our confidence was up a bit. You've got to have enough confidence to, to, to do that job. And uh, we went there, Falkirk were on a real low. Yeah. You know, the, the team had fell apart uh, and we had to start building for the start. And I, I think we lost our first four games at Falkirk. And uh, at that time, we were banned for the dugout. We got banned at Berwick for a year. Why? For disputing a throw-in. <laughs> <laughs> At that time, it was a thousand pound ban, and the uh, I think a, a, a thousand pound in a year's ban. I think. What did was. you call the ref? Tell us. Well, it was a boy called Sandy Roy uh, up at Montrose actually, and he sent us to the the stand. But the stand at Montrose is only a seat behind the, the dugout, dugout, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, it, 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 it was a it was a nightmare to start with at Falkirk, but we we changed things and we got good players up there. Good players. Worked hard to get good players, you know, people like Tommy McQueen for West Ham. West Ham first team player. Imagine Falkirk trying to get a West Ham first team mm -hmm. player. We, we, we got Alec Taylor, really good player. We got Brian Rice for Nottingham Forest. Chipper, uh, what a player he was, Chipper, eh? oh, How is he as a guy? Great lad. He's a great lad, Chipper. Mo, jo Mo Johnson came to Falkirk. Aye. How did you find dealing with like, big personalities like him? He's one of the, the best players I've ever had to deal with. He was absolutely outstanding as a lad. He was great with the youngsters. You know, I thought, you know, he's not going to, he's got to be a bit of prima donna. Nothing like a prima donna. Wanted to play, he didn't know what to stop training, as long as you had the ball out, like, yeah, when they took you up and doing the terrace and that. But he, uh, he loved uh, playing games, he, he couldn't bring him off the pitch. And he did great for us. He was outstanding for us. We, we, when we got him, uh, we, we uh, got him from Hearts. I think he'd felt with Tommy. I don't know if Tommy was a bit intimidating to Morris, but when he came to us, he was great. He, 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 he travelled in the car with Yogi and oh, uh, that Neil Oliver, Big John Clark. Right, it was a great motor. And the, uh, 
he did really, really well for us. When we got, he lost a wee bit of pace. We used to play him a wee bit in that inside left position, and he was great. He was great for us, and he was a smashing boy. He, uh, fit and lovely, isn't he? I, I think that... See, see, when you bring a player like that, or, or when we went to Hearts and had lights of John Robertson, the last thing you've got to do is try to tell them how to play the game, right? Me and Jim knew they were good players, and all you had to do was bring out the best in them. Get the, get the best in Morris Johnson. Yeah. Let him play his way, because his way was a talk way. Right? Same with John Robertson. Don't try and tell him how to play, because they know more about how they play than we do, and that's what we did with them. That's how we got these boys to play. Brilliant. See how you said, like, Tommy Hearts was intimidating him. Were you and Jim never intimidated by big names? No. No, I don't, I don't think you can be. I, I think that, and, and as you move on, you get more confidence. You know, when they're really well at Falkirk yeah. and Hearts, and uh, you, you can't be intimidated by, by players. If you're intimidated by players, you can't do the job properly. You know, uh, so I, I just treated, I treated the players at Hearts and Bradford the same as I treated the players at Musselburgh. So you would have any, any hesitations in going through Mo Johnson or John Hughes? Nah? No. I no, I've no hesitation about that whatsoever. And uh, they all took it. All the good pros take that. Yeah. All the good pros take it. And they sit and think, I'll show them. That was Jim. Jim's the most frightening prospect I've ever come across in my life. You know, and he, uh, he got them at half-time. I did the team talking that before the game, but at half-time, if things weren't going well, Jim was in, was in their face as well. And he had a snarl about them. And I, I knew, I used to cow in the dressing room at half-time. Is he scary? <laughs> and he was great. As a man-manager, he was great. And he, he, he knew how to get the best of these players. And yeah, Morris Johnson, Yogi Hughes, the lot. All right, Troops, I hope you're enjoying your sit-down interview with Billy Brown so far. But I'm just going to quickly interrupt before we get back to the interview to let you know about one of our new partners, Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service where an expert stylist picks clothes just for you based on your taste, size and budget and sends them to your door. It's really easy. You fill out a style quiz about your clothing preference on their simple-to-use website, pick your delivery date, then it's over to your stylist who'll hand, select and send to you five items of clothing in your preferred fit. You try them on at home and decide which to buy. Then simply send back the rest. There's a charge of just £10 for your stylist, delivery and returns are free. They've got loads of great brands available, some well-known ones you'll have heard of as well as others you won't, including their own exclusive items you won't have the same shirt on as everyone else. You pay just £10 for an expert to pick out things to suit you and you can even redeem that against the item you decide to keep. It gets better. Keep all five items and you get 20% off. You don't have to subscribe if you don't want to. You can order one-off deliveries whenever you like. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash open goal right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot co.uk forward slash open goal. Right, you're flying. <coughs> Obviously wanting to leave Falkirk. Not wanting to leave, but offers came in. Is it true the chairman faked a heart attack? George Filson. Uh-huh. Well, I wasn't in the, the, the boardroom when it happened, but I, th- I think, I think it did, maybe it did. George was a character as well. But, you know, we'd been five years at uh, Falkirk and, and done ever so well, you know, really good. And five years is a long time. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was talking about five years, when Dick Advocate came to Rangers, he, uh, we were his first game, actually, and uh, he says to me and Jimmy, how long have you been here? At Hearts, well, this is five years, he says, Never more than three. Three out. Yeah? Yeah, people get fed up with you after three. So <laughs> so we had been five at Falkirk, and it was it was time to move on. And got in the hearts. It was certainly not a hardship. It was a dream come true. Yeah, did Chris Robinson say something to you in the first meeting? This is Laurie Arnett's told me all this value. What about? I know you're a, I know you're a Hibs fan. Uh, yeah, he, he, he did, I. No, he said, are you a Hibs fan? And I says, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, it was a great, it was a dream come true to go to Hearts, yeah. you know. You know, when you consider, that was 1995. We, I was still here in 1988. So, you know, seven years later, we moved on to one of the biggest clubs in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, we took over a poor, poor side. They had been kept in the league on the last day of the two previous seasons. You know, so we were taking something that, that needed 
uh, a lot of attention. Yeah. Uh, Jim says that you had to get rid of some well-established players. How did they? How did they respond to? Well, that? we did. Eventually, we did. I mean, when we got there, there was about six or seven players still playing in the in the team that had lost the league in nineteen eighty six. Wow. You know, which is, you know, which isn't it right? You, you, you need a more a turnover of players than that. I mean, they were they were all these were all good players, like. But we we, we tried to phase them out. We phased them out gradually. I mean, for instance, John Robertson was still in the team in 1998 when we won the cup. He was on the bench. Yeah. Gary McKay played in the nineteen ninety seven League Cup final. So it's not as if we we we, we got rid of them right away. The likes of Craig Levine, he had to retire. Uh-huh. You know, he'd done his knee again. So we had all them: Craig Levine, John Cahoon. You know, uh, Henry Smith. We brought Henry back in goals. He was 40 at the time. Uh-huh. But we had to freshen up. And one of the reasons that, that, that they got us was because they knew that what we had did at Falkirk in the same sort of position, bringing in fresh players uh, with the contacts we had, that, that we, we could change it. See, when you first went to Hearts, was there a set goal that you had? Was it a cup you wanted to win? Was it to finish second, third in the league? Which is actually no. When we first went to Hearts, our ambition was to stay there for a wee while, you know, and not get the sack because we didn't start very well. Uh, you know, the thing about being at Hearts, you're more in the spotlight, and you're, the expectations are a lot more at Hearts than they were at Falkirk, uh, and uh, you know you've got to live up to the expectations. But by the time we got to Hearts. You know, we were ready for that. Mm-hmm. We were ready for the expectations there. He's ever, did you get slaughtered at the start when you were doing well with the fans on your back? No, no. The Good supporters days. were always really good to us at Hearts. You know, I think the supporters by that stage had come to accept the fact that the team that they had been supporting uh, needed broken up. Yeah. Great players like Sir Robertson, Mackay and, you know, Glavine and all these boys. The, the supporters knew that the time was up and they knew it needed fitness and, and they got right behind us. I mean, Jim had been Hearts for 15 years as a player, you know, yeah. so he, he was, he, I think he was always destined to get that job. No, I, I can't say we, we ever got any stick for, for the supporters at all, no. How is Big Levine to deal with? Hard work? Well, we didn't have, have him very long, but yeah, I mean, I would have thought that, uh, I mean, unfortunately, he'd done his knee again. And, uh, and Craig Levine was a really good player, but I think it may have caused us one or two problems. Uh-huh. What, just by an opinion like uh-huh. Yeah, well, I mean, he's always been opinionated, isn't he? Yeah. He's always been opinionated. I mean, no, no that he, he caused us really any problems. You know, I think he played a couple of games for us. But, I mean, Craig has got the reputation of uh, having his say, isn't he? And, and really... You know, there was only two people going to have their say at Tyne Castle. It was me and Jim. Love that. Yes. Uh, just on the 98 Cup final, uh, talk us through your memories that day. Everyone that comes on, so it was, it was involved. So it yeah, well, probably yeah. the best of their career. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. The, the whole week was great because we went down to England. We took the players away down to England because the, the Scottish press all just going about Rangers and Celtic all the time and it would have been Rangers. So we took them down there. We'll come back and we stayed at Dunblane. <laughs> well, binding memories, I think. The night we stayed at Dumblain's, the night Frank Sinatra died. I remember that. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I was slime watching that, the, the, the tributes to Frank. Uh, but the, the, we stayed at Dumblain and we went in and there was a change that day because when we arrived at the Parkhead in the bus, every game I was first up and out the bus. And I got up to go and all the players <laughs> right by me. And I thought, well, I, we were different here the day, you know. Uh-huh. And... Uh, Actually, in that game, I didn't think we played very. We'd played a lot better against Rangers, but we'd worked all week that week, you know, and uh, prepared properly, and we we decided. Jim and I had a philosophy that that we always picked a team. Or Jim always picked a team to win. No, pick the team, no, no to lose, and we always did that. But we had played Rangers three or four times that season. They beat us all the time, but we were the best team, but we couldn't beat them. So we thought, well, let's change this. Let's change the philosophy. And we played 4 3 3, show them in the pitch, keep them tight in the middle of the park, and we'll have a go at the end. And here we score after a minute and a half. And I thought, what do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> and we were at them all the time. The second half, you know, we scored again and, and we held it to win. You know, if it went much longer, we might not win that. Uh, but coming back to, uh, to Town Castle on the, the Saturday night was just fantastic. You know, people in cases like Fulton and that on top of the bus. Uh-huh. I think David Weir was there, which is... Uh, 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 Character, I would never think David Weir being there. No, he was up there as well. 
But the Sunday was the best day because there were 250,000 people in the streets of Edinburgh that day, you know, we come for the city chambers down at Tynecastle. And even thinking about it now, Simon, you know, it, it, it brings my hair on the back of my neck. It, you know, to be on a bus that, with, with people like that, 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 that adore the team, and uh, it was great. And, and, you know, to do it for the supporters was, was fantastic because the heart supporters are great and they get right behind the team when the team's doing things the right way. Yeah. And it, it was just a fantastic experience and uh, someone I'll never, ever forget. I see just on the 98 team, who, who, who was the players that you liked personally the best? Fulton? That, that, team, that team, I liked all the players on that team because we had finally honed it down to about 16 or 17 players that we wanted. And uh, every player in that team, we, I mean, our goalkeeper and back four were all, all internationalists. Yeah. Gilles was a French international, back four, Gary Naismith eventually. With Colin Cameron in the middle of the park, with Fulton and Salvatore. Thomas Flogel, Austrian internationalist, Neil McCann. You know, so, and they were all good boys. We had the two hungriest football players in that team that I've ever come across in my life. Colin Cameron and Neil McCann. Hungry boys, right? I thought you were going to say Fulton with the size no, he was. Oh, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was his problem. But they ate chocolate biscuits. So Cameron but, and McCann were the two hungry boys. Uh, oh, the, even at the training. I mean, we Mickey, Colin, Cameron. It was the biggest moaner you'll ever come across in your life. By the way, I fell out with him just most days. But he was fantastic to have in the team. A fantastic player, box to box, never beaten, never beaten. Same with Neil McCann. We were our hungry wee boy. Great to have. You know, we had really, really good players in that yeah. team. That that team, as far as I'm concerned, will win the league. Then, that well, you they think they would win the league? Oh, they, they, they were good players. We had see, David Weir. We had David Weir and Paul Ritchie. Yeah, good players. You know? So see how you said that about Cameron and McCann. Would you have regular arguments with them in training? Huh? No, Nielsen, like, sure, you Mickey. I mean, Mickey, everybody fell out with Mickey, you know. Uh-huh. He, uh, Just what, he, the standard he, that wasn't good enough, he would crack. Yeah, I mean, we used to, you know, the 10 passes are a goal or a goal's a goal. Yeah. You know, and the, uh, we were playing at Pinky one day and Big Slug was playing Dave McPherson and it was a 10th pass and he had a, a chance to shoot and he shot. And we Mickey shoot, you should have passed that ball. And Big Dave, who never loses temper, had him with the throw. <laughs> and that's what he did. But I'll tell you, I wish he was playing now. I wish he was playing for the Hearts now because he's exactly what they need. He's a great wee player. Is that what Hearts are missing now? Players like McCann? They're missing somebody like that. Mm-hmm. You know, he got walked to box and he, he, gave, he never gave in. And uh, w- w- One thing about a football team is you've got to balance it out and we balance that team out. And I remember we, we ended up with Salvatore, Cameron and Fulton. But we started with Cameron, Salvatore and Fulton and we played at, at Wraith Rovers one day in a cup tie and they're, they're a sitting midfield player and we wanted to push somebody on top of him. So we changed Salvatore and, and the Cameron in it, what like that. Yeah. It just came for us. Uh, good players, all good players. Stefan Dan was a really, really good player. He was player. a good player striker. He was. Uh, and I, I always remember, you know, that Stefan played for Mets and uh, I went to watch him. Uh, Mets is on the France-Luxembourg border, border. So after training on the Tuesday, I got a flight to London out to Strasbourg. Agent picked me up, went up, all the way up there. He wasn't playing. You know, he was on the bench. And I thought, Jesus. But anyway, it came the last 20 minutes. And I just looked at him and I thought, oh, you can see the way you're running there. Yeah. You know, and he, he, he'd been at the French Academy and that. So he was the best player I've ever seen he, he spinning the centre half and getting round. He was uh-huh. the best at that. Uh-huh. But they, they were all good players in that team. See, and all good lads. See, see if Lockie picks up the phone today, he could get them all to come across here if he were needed. Uh, he said that. Oh, that's true. Uh-huh. Would any of them ever have a go back at your gym and team talks or at half time or at full time would any of them have that in the locker room with well they would always yeah some of them had their say we, we never we never objected to that you know mm-hmm. but most of them just just took it on the chin, chin uh-huh. really you know good player you've there, got, as you, you said uh-huh. you've got like say David Weir there who was a common character great he was a great player by the way yeah. he, you know he, he was such a good football player and such an intelligent player and I think that he didn't start playing till he was 22 and I think he got the benefit of that because he played till he was over 40. Yeah. Where you get the likes of Nese at the, the Hearts here, he, he, we brought him in the team at 17 and he's, he's now 
he's what, 32, he's played for 15 years, you know, yeah. so he's got a lot of miles in his club for David, didn't he? <laughs> uh, brilliant, just uh, last bit on the final, uh, they seen celebrations, uh, some of the best moment, memories of your life? Oh, without doubt, there's no doubt about it, that the, when we went back to Tynecastle on the Sunday, you know, from, from the, the parade, the, the, the place uh, was buzzing, it was fantastic, it was a great memory uh, and something that nobody can ever take away from us. Are you one that would have a few beers with the players? Yeah, that, that night we did, yeah, but in general, uh, it's a bad idea to have beers with players. Bad okay. idea. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, once you, you, you get loose tongues, they're not about to say things that they shouldn't say, you know, and you I think the, the, Scot the, the Scotland ladies manager found that out, didn't they? Yeah. You know, you, you're better. I mean, because at the end of the season, we always went to Magaluf. I've heard. And, uh, you know, we, we end up, Going in separate hotels because we didn't want to be near the players and that because it, you know, when somebody gets a drink, maybe it changed their personality. I, I think that uh, uh, it could have happened, so we made sure it didn't happen. Big question from my guy for you shorts or trunks? Oh, shorts, huh? Uh, no, got the, no, got the thing for trunks. <laughs> no, <now>. no, no, <laughs> no, uh, brilliant. Um, Lockie said obviously how good a squad it was. I think the 90 squad he said is especially uh, who was charged of keeping surveillance in them. So see, like trips away in Magaluf, would, would it be would, it, would Jim designate you to kind of keep an eye on them? No, no, I never kept an eye on anybody. They just got on with it. You know, that was a week where they, they they could do what they wanted. So we just let them get on with it. I mean, I, I think that there was enough sensible ones there. I thought maybe there was only one sensible one, David Weir. Right? When I think about it, they uh, take, they, they never ever uh, done anything bad. I mean, the the was the, the one set Stevie Fulton on fire. <laughs> You know, I don't know if you heard, heard about that, that one. And he had to run in the sea because he was wrapped with toilet paper and somebody lit it. So he had to run in the sea before he got bumped to death. But apart from that, I think, I, I mean, I, I do remember one thing that the, the, when we won the cup, we went across the air and Dundee were there at that time. And the, uh, I seen Stevie going round, shaking all their hands and, and thanking them. And I says, what were you doing there? He says, I was thanking them for the points we were going to get off them next season. I said, you shouldn't have says that. <laughs> and see the first time we played them at Tynecastle last season, they beat us. And they were, the, the, the cassettes were blaring out after the game, and I said, that's you. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Lockie asked us to ask you about joining in and training. Was it an, an incident with Wanjo? Yeah, well, that's the last time I joined in. We were training at Tynecastle. Well, tra it was a Sunday morning. It, it was with the reserves, actually, and went round to uh, Roseburn to, to train that. I was playing in the game, and I went down to close with Wanjo doing, and he hit the ball, and it hit, it hit my hand, my fingers, and it broke four bones in my hand. <laughs> and I had to go to the hospital and that. And I, I'm, it's the sorest thing I've had in my life. Yeah, and not... I'll tell you something. If I'd had two hands, I'd have thrilled them. <laughs> it, was, it, it was absolutely excruciating pain, and uh, I brought four bones. It, it put me at commission for a wee while. You know? <laughs> Brilliant. See, just last bit on my golf as well. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Was, was Jimmy Calderwood regular over there as well, huh? Oh, Jimmy was, aye. I've never seen anybody drink. You wouldn't be able to tell what he's Vodka and fresh orange like he drinks it. He's brilliant. He was great, a great lad, Jimmy. He, uh... He had a place across there, a place in Santa Ponza, but I think he sold it. He sold it now, and he was there every year. I, I was there the year he fell out with the goalkeeper. I, I was in the pub with him that what night. What happened there? Uh, I forget the goalie's name. Uh, been at Aberdeen for years. Langfield. Jamie Langfield. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, they fell out outside the pub, and uh, <laughs> that's brilliant. It caused a, a ruckus, and I don't know if he suspended him actually. <laughs> but uh, Jimmy was great, and uh, all the teams used to go out there. So we do other managers hang about together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, what are their names? I mean, we used to, uh, when we went there, Dunfermline were there all the time. Bert Pert was the manager. Dick Campbell was the assistant. And Bert was my manager at Ray Thrower, so I knew Bert. And he was actually Jim's coach at the Hearts. And Dick was there, and we used to always meet in the veranda in the hotel next to us and that. And uh, most of the teams went out there at that oh, time. Yeah. It, was, it was fantastic. And uh, I still go. <laughs> Did you still got my go? Aye. Love that. It's great. Oh, There's a golden oldies corner, of course, you know. <laughs> Brilliant, man. What about, was there any in particular that used to do your nothing players-wise? Eh, not really, not really. I mean, in the latter stages, when we went back to the Hearts, you know, when they're roaming off, eh, uh, there was one or two there that, that, that were, were a wee bit different. A wee bit pro- Could have been a problem, but... Eh, but you nipped it in the bud? Well, there was one in particular we couldn't nip in the bud, to be honest with you. You know, and that was, I think you've heard him on this programme here. And, uh, Who is that? You were Michael, wasn't it? Oh, Michael Stewart, uh, was he hard work? Aye, aye. Uh, what, what sort of stuff would he do, just moan all the time? No, we didn't have him for long, and he was injured for a bit of time, so he, he never caused us much of a bother. But, I mean, Michael has, Michael's got an opinion, isn't he? That's uh-huh. why he's doing what he's doing, and best of luck to him. What about uh, other managers, dugouts? Was it Jackie McNamara Senior you had a, a running with? Yeah, I've only really had a run-in with one or two people that dug out because, I mean, you know, the last thing we bothered about was other dugout, but I mean, there are one or two occasions. Uh, the Jackie McNamara thing, we were, it was my first derby, actually, you know, Easter Road, and, and the ball was rolling, the ball was rolling in the dugout, and I thought, if I get this and pick it up, we may get a quick throw. But it sort of went into their dugout, by the time the ball came, I was in there dug <laughs> trying to retrieve the ball. Uh-huh. And Jackie uh, got a grip of me and uh, there was a wee set too, but I never got sent to the stand. And it was Hugh Dallas was the referee. Right. And I had to go to the meeting after it. And uh, they asked him, why did you not send Billy to the, the stand? And he says, well, I thought Billy was one of the calmest members in that dugout. I thought it might help the situation. <laughs> 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 Have we ever got a top job after that? I'll never know. But, uh, you yeah, know, no problem after that. Jackie had a pub in Musselburgh at the time and I went to see him the next day. And it was done and dusted, that. And I had the, la- the last spot I had was with Derek McInnes, you know, at Tyne Castle. I don't know if you've seen it on the video. And it was the time I was there with Lockie and the, uh, you know, we had that young team and we were drawing 1-1 and we hadn't won a game and we got a free kick so on the halfway line the last minute and I went out to the thing to get in the box, get in the box. So I put in the box in and we scored. So by this time I'm in front of the Aberdeen dugout and I went like this, no the dugout. But Derek grabbed me. <laughs> He got a grip of me, and I've had to fight him off, you know. Uh-huh. And we both got sent to the. Uh, it was the last minute. We got sent to the dressing room. He was, he was standing in the tunnel waiting on me, and I thought, "Well, I'm going to have to fight him here." But they locked me in the, the physio's room, <laughs> and we went and we peeled it and got Do you think up. Uh, you and, and, uh, sorry, Do you think you delivered them. 
I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> I <I'm> think <laughs> they're maybe look after yourself. Quick, quick lad, he didn't attack me again. But uh, no, I, I want to go. But since then, I mean, after that, I got on well with Derek. I think he's done a great job. He's a, he's a winner and wants to win in the dugout. And the, uh, never any hard feelings with these things, really. Yeah. And, you know, I, I never hold a grudge with that. I mean, one of the worst, having to go to that dugout was, was, was a, one of the nicest blokes you'll meet is Mixu Paline. And Mixu was always barking and shouting at the other dugout, you know. Going to go into Romanov. Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't have that much to do with him. I only met him about three or four times. But I mean, the guy was off his head, really. You know, <laughs> l l let's be honest. It? See, Jim, I mean, sorry, I couldn't. Have, I, I was not. I know. Uh, I know. It, it's uh, <laughs> I, I, well. I had to. I had to uh, address him as well that day. I was instructed. That I had to tell him uh, congratulations. It was in Berlin, wasn't it? He, uh, but I mean, we were lucky when we went to Hearts under Romanov because it was coming to the end of his time. I think the, the worst time had been previous to us getting there when he was picking the team and had a woman with a stick that if you tapped you in your shoulder you were playing and all, that, all this kind of rubbish and you had to substitute somebody after a certain amount of time. We we, we never, you know, we, we had one or two uh, things with him, but he never... Can you tell us what? Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember one day, you know, we are playing Rangers at Ibrox, half 12 kickoff, and we got, I got to Rickerton and... Jim was sitting there says, uh, the players were on the bus by this time. Uh, Romov's uh, right-hand man, I forget his name. Serge. Sergey. Oh, Sergey, that's it. Sergey, being on the phone, Mr Romanov doesn't want you to play Zalukas today. And uh, Jim says, well, I've got to play him, we'll, we'll not get any centre-halves. <laughs> Mr Romanov says, you can't play him today. And I thought, well, why not, like? He just can't. If, he, if you play him today, he may walk away from this club. So, we had to go and get Murray, so for the bus. <laughs> and Murray's been Lithuanian, knew the score, score anyway. I knew that could before. Wow. I don't know what, what, I don't know if he, did he have a bet in Rangers that day, I don't know. I, I don't know, but we had to play without him, we had to play two midfield players at the back. What about when Jim had to uh, go and watch him ballroom dancing? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, when he, he won the tournament because he owned the station. <laughs> I mean, he was, was a wee, I don't know, five foot five or he wasn't a big boy, but you could see that all, all the players for Lithuania and that were all a bit wary of him. You know? right. I mean, he was, he was a powerful man in, in Lithuania, you know, and I think powerful men are, can be dangerous men. But mm -hmm. he's, he's not there now, he's, he's on the run in Russia, isn't he? Oh, is he, right? Yeah, there's a warrant out for his arrest. But see the ballroom dancing, what is it? Jim had to go over and watch him ballroom dance in the office? Well, he's in his office block in Lithuania. I was never there, like, but... Uh, and, in the basement, that they had a, a basketball court because he practiced basketball as well. And, and the basketball courts, when he used to practice his dancing, <laughs> so uh, Jim had to sit and watch it for half an hour. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's incredible, but but I mean, it, I've, I've got to say that I was at Kilmarnock all the time Romanoff was in charge at Hearts and it wasn't a good time I know Hearts won two cups at that time but it wasn't a good time Hearts lost a lot of their reputation yeah, they, 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 they did they did and they, they brought players in the team changed every week they, they brought boys and it dived all over the place and you know for a club of the stature of Hearts it, it didn't do them any good would that annoy you looking in to the side of her? it did annoy me yeah. it did annoy me because they're a great football club with great supporters and they should never have been brought down to that level. Would you ever pull Romanov up and say that? Say anything to him that he no, would die? No, no, I might have my shot. Just, <laughs> did you just keep away from him? No, when he came, he'd come into the office and he would sit there. He, he, he could talk English, but he never spoke to us in English. He used to go through his uh, Sergey. He, uh, he, he, was, he was pleasant enough. You know, he was pleasant enough in that, but you could see they were, they were all intimidated about him. Was there any moments that you thought, like, this has gone too far? Not really, not really. I mean, he wanted the uh, he wanted Rudy Skytchel left out one day at St Johnston. I didn't miss you that. know, because he, he thought the team would intimidate him. I, I don't know what that was all about and that. And and he wanted the uh, he wanted Maris Lucas left out another day. You know, in the office, and Jim wouldn't have, we wouldn't have it. And and he, he says, right, okay, I will give him an well, through Sergey, I will give him another chance, and uh, but he must play well this week. You know. I mean, it was a, it was a problem. It must have been some problem to handle when he was at his pump and at the house. It must yeah. have been some problem. But it wasn't such a problem to us. But uh, I mean, when we got offered that, we were only left Kilmarnock uh, 
a matter of days when Hearts got in touch and you know we sort of thought well going back to Hearts is great but one thing you're certain you're going to get the sack Jim says that you obviously took the training you told me earlier and Jim says that Romanov used to ask to join in training that must have done your nothing there uh, uh, <laughs> at the end of that it was just for the cameras and everything you know he so would you have to stop to... your sessions to let him no he, he did it at the end right but I mean at the end you, you want to work with somebody in that and he was floating about there what he... I mean the, the guy was incredible <laughs> it was incredible I mean I don't know I take it he must have had money at some time but he, he ended up just about putting hearts out of business uh, did he ever ask you to co- like coach him no no <laughs> I want to run well he maybe did in Lithuania but I never knew about that <laughs> oh brilliant uh, how did you feel when you wanted to move you both on finished third in the league decent start to the new season could you believe it yeah well only, we only played one league game we drew Ibrox should have beat Rangers that day and then we went to I think it was Hungary or something and played in uh, European tie and we, we drew there so you know we finished third in the league but he, want, he wanted a foreign coach didn't he he, oh, want, he wanted you to bring in a foreign coach. Well, he wanted Jim to bring in a foreign coach. And get rid of you? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he wanted to get rid of me, but he wanted a foreign coach. And Jim said, well, you had a foreign coach before and you you, you got me to replace him and Jim wouldn't have it. And I think that, that was the beginning of the end, I think. Because right. yeah, he had to have his own way. You know, I think if he didn't get his own way, I think it was just a matter of time uh, till you went. Uh-huh. So did you, have a, did you have a conversation when, when, when you were leaving? No, no, he wasn't there. He just did it through his, through his mm-hmm. uh, Sergey. Actually, I think Sergey, to be <laughs> fair, Sergei. Thought, w- w- was a uh, was a bit miffed about it. I think he wanted to stay. Well, we're doing really well. Uh-huh. So what is it? Just Jim just phoned you up and said, "That's us away." No, he took us in the uh, took us into the uh, the office at Tinkastle. Sergey and that Mister Roma wants you to go. That was it. Uh-huh. <laughs> see, like the, the see when when Jim was over there, like watching him dancing up. But Jim just phoned you up after it, saying like you'll never fucking believe what's uh, just see, happened. You want to see what I've had to watch here the day? <laughs> <laughs> would, you, would you be in the, your house pushing yourself laughing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we knew that that kind of thing could happen. We knew that kind of thing could happen. But I mean, you know, you, 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 it's hard to believe the things he did there. Could you have a laugh about it though? Oh, you got to laugh about it. Uh-huh. I had to laugh about it. I mean, obviously, there's a Lucas thing, you know, taking them off the bus and that, but didn't they find that very funny? No. You know, but uh, when you look back at it now, it, it, it was incredible. Uh-huh. Uh, difficult times at Kelly, that must have been hard with financial. Was it Michael Johnson there as well? Yeah, well, we're, we're, I mean, seven and a half years at Kilmarnock, uh-huh. you know, a long time to be a club, three times long, twice as long as what Dick Advert can't tell us to go. Uh-huh. He... Uh, it was great. It was seven, there, seven and a half years. Five of them were really good at Kilmarnock. The last couple of years, Michael took over as chairman, and you know he just well, he didn't have a clue, and it caused us problems. And the, the club wasn't the same. You know, there wasn't the same atmosphere and spirit about the place. And uh, it was just a matter of time before we went there. What about favourite memories of Kelly, other than Kevin Kyle's belly? <laughs> I just think that, that Killy was a, a really good football club, a good place to be. It's a lovely ground down there. All the people were great. Uh, we got in the top six, uh, I think, five or six times out the the seven years we were there. You know, so and we turned over good players. You know, we, we Stephen Naismith there. We had Chris Boyd there, really good players. How was Boydie? Well, Boydie, <laughs> Stevie well, Felton's words were thick as shit. <laughs> well, when I see him on the telly now talking eloquently, I think you've had a coach. You've been tutored here because he, uh, he was certainly wasn't he, uh, Mr. Brains. I mean, we had him and uh, Colin Nish there at the same time. Oh, Stagnish, I know, you know uh, And they, they were uh, <laughs> they were incredible, the two of them. They were good players, by the way. Uh-huh. I mean, Colin Nish was a really good player, and Boydie was a top goal scorer. But they certainly weren't the brightest. Uh, and, and I remember the. Uh, you know, we, we went to, we used to go to Choco in Italy for pre-season training and the uh, Boydie and Nishi were rooming together, which wasn't the best idea. And it, we were about five nights in and um, my door goes, it's her stand at the door, Billy, what a complaint here. We go down for our tea at night and somebody's coming into our room. I said, how did, what's happening like? Well, we come back, our bed's turned down, the curtains are drawn. I says, it's the maid. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's the mead. <laughs> nah, no chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my but, God, man. But I'm going to tell you, the, the, the Boydie, Boydie was an A school scorer and Boydie was a really good lad. A nice person, 100 percenter, right? At the training, you were talking about the 10 passes a goal or goals a goal. It doesn't matter where he was. It doesn't matter if it was a 10 pass, he shot. <laughs> you know, he loved shooting at the training. And he was great. He was great. He, he was a good lad uh -huh. and he got a good move. Because I used to say to him, Boydie, if you didn't put me into your game linking with these passes, you're not going to end up getting a fortune at Middlesbrough, <laughs> didn't you? So who was right? You know, Boydie was right because a goal scorer. And, you know, Nasey, Nasey was a, a good player as well. We brought him in. Uh, hard as nails, great in the air, great attitude, yeah. training, you know, the training and games were the same to him and uh, he went on and had a great career. He was a lovely boy, uh, Stephen Nesman. Uh, right, Hibs. After you left Hearts the second yeah. time you ended up at Hibs that season, was there any worries about going back, well, sorry, going back, going over to the other side? Well, you know, I was born and brought up in Musselburgh and it was all Hibs and Hearts supporters in Musselburgh. Uh, you remember getting the phone call? I was in Tenerife, yeah, yeah, and the Hibs phoned me. With the trunks on? <laughs> <laughs> I was in my bed, actually. He, uh, Who, they eh? phoned me up, they phoned me, uh, where am I? Hey, Jim. All right, sir. <laughs> it was me and Anna was there. <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh, they asked if, what I was going to do, and I says, well, I, I don't know, I've just been out the job a few days, and I don't... He says, well, you know, we're interested in talking to you. And I met them when I come back, and they uh, up at Pathera actually, and it was Colin Calderwood was the manager, and Colin wasn't doing well. And the sorry, I, I got, I didn't get a promise I was going to get the job as manager, but things, you know, I was in for a shout, but they wanted me to try and help Colin. Yeah. He was a, Colin's a lovely boy, but a, a great lad, and a yeah. nice person. Uh, nothing like, he was a player, he was a real hard nut as a player, and he was yeah. too soft as a manager, and, you know, I don't know what Hibs ever brought me there for because I actually didn't do anything. He, he had he had a fitness coach and he had he, uh, another Gareth Evans and that. He, and I, after a few days, I said, Colin, why are you bring me here? I said, in fact, what are you doing here? I said, because we didn't do anything. We're just watching the training. I said, we should be taking it. I take the training. That's what I do. So things changed a wee bit after that. But it was too soft, Colin. Good lad. Good lad. Uh, too, you know... Too many players that, that, that needed sorted out and they didn't do it. Mm. Uh, but I thoroughly liked them. And I, I liked working well. Uh, a likable person. And then uh, when I went when I went to the Hibs, you know, I'd been at Hearts and been at Hearts quite a long time. In the two spells I was there, and I always got the feeling that when Hearts played Hibs, we always thought we were going to win. When I went to Hibs, I got the impression Hibs hoped they might. Really, right? You know, that was the, the mindset at the time. And that, that didn't change till Neil, Neil Lennon changed that mindset at Hibs. He changed yeah. the mindset because neither Colin nor Pat changed the mindset there. You know, they always, they, they, and there was a feeling within the building, I, I, I just got that vibe that, that they, didn't, they didn't think they were as good as Hearts. What about players? Change now. Change now. What about players-wise? Anyone that you, you had a lot of time for at the Hibs players at that time? Yeah, well, there were some interesting <laughs> characters there at that time. You know, we had the... Uh, well, Gary O'Connor was there. Oh, and, and come on, the, give us a Gary O'Connor uh, story. I love the man. Well, I, I've, I've got to say, I, I know he, he didn't have a, a great reputation and, and he was a bit of a slaver at times. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, but, that's a bit... You've got a great way of describing but, people. But I found him great. I found him a really decent boy. He tried his hardest all the time. He, he had scored goals and... I had not one complaint about Gary O'Connor. I know that, that maybe he's, he's a bit Kevin Kyleish again, that he says things he shouldn't, but he, uh, no problem whatsoever. And thoroughly liked him. Yeah. Thoroughly liked him. Was he funny? He was funny. Yeah, he didn't mean to be funny. Uh -huh. but, but he was funny because he said things that he, he spoke about things he didn't get anything about. But he, uh, he, he, he was great. He was a, a good lad. And, and Lee, you know, Lee. Uh, Griffiths. Yeah, well, what, a striker, what a great striker the ball he is. But I mean, Lee, Lee's another one. He, he, uh, he, he says things he shouldn't. He, he, he does, you know. He, you know, he, if people 
he used to take corners at Hibs and the right. If people showed him, he used to re react to them and we used to try and get him to stop to do that and that. But he was a right good player, you know. Yeah. He, was a, he was a good football player and one of the best strikers at the ball. The two best strikers I ever had were John Roberts and Rudy Scatchell and Lee Griffiths is as good as them at striking a ball. Yeah, I had a wee frack away on one day, you know. Oh, the, uh, well, I had a team talk. It was part Fernand and part had a go at him and he, uh, he stormed away and I went after him and I only had training shoes on because we were just doing a loosen off and it was a wee bit slippy and I fell. Everybody thought he had hit me, <laughs> but I hadn't he. <laughs> and he, uh, he just stormed away, but he, he, he was a wee bit petulant at times. But he was all right, he was all right. Uh, it's how you handle people and I, 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 I tend to be able to get on with boys like that. Uh -huh. Could, was that maybe the problem that Colin and Pat couldn't deal with these types of characters? Yeah, I think Colin was too soft to, to do it. Pat, Pat didn't give enough patience for it, you know. Uh, you've got to work with these boys and get to talk to them and, you know, bring them round and that. If you think they're good enough players, they're worth, they're worth bringing round. And uh, Pat always had a player he disliked. I mean, you know Jimmy Scott? Yeah, he's mad, he's mad to Jimmy yeah, Scott. Yeah, he was mad, aye. And Pat used to go in about, he was uh, disrupting the dressing room. And I said, Pat, he ain't no disrupting anything. He said, he's a gentleman, laughs at him. He's a good laugh, I, I said, a good laugh. I said, yeah, but he's, I said, he, he suspended him. I said, what do you do that for? You know, I said, handle him. Handle yeah. Get him around, get him on your side. You know, there's no point. You've got players, they're getting paid, they're, they're not going to leave. Get them on your side. You've got to handle people yeah. like that. And that's, me and Jim always try to do that. Was it frustrating for you having worked with somebody like Jim and then go to these kind of weaker characters? Was it, it must have been. Yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, I mean, I'm not saying they weren't knowledgeable about football, but, you know, as man managers, they weren't in, in, in the same class as Jim Jeffries. Mm. Nowhere near it. And, uh, you know, the culmination, the, the, the Hibs thing was the cup final. You know, I remember we, we beat Aberdeen on the Saturday and Hearts were playing Celtic on the Sunday. and. I didn't want Hearts to get to the final because I knew that you know, it was Jim and I brought all the Hearts players there. We, yeah. we formed that team and you know Hearts beat Celtic that day. Big beat he scored, mind uh -huh. scored the penalty. And he, uh, the, it was one of the worst days I ever had in football, that, 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 that drumming. And Hearts could have beat Hibs more that day. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons was, I mean, there was too many lone players. Plus, we, we had... We had played a diamond against Dunferland. Jim was manager at Dunferland. We relegated them that night Easter Road. Right. Beat them 4 nothing. They won a 4 in it, but, but one 4 nothing. And Pat played a diamond that night. And that's what he thought was the answer. And he just played the diamond in the final. And, and, and I knew, and I said to him, look, Pat, Hart's two fullbacks and they're wide men. They're going to give us a big, big problem here. And I says, Blackie, if you let Blackie dominate the game, which he's going to with the system we're playing, We've got our problems, and that—that's what happened, you know. And uh, as I say, we could have got beat a lot more. How did did it all kick off after the game? Uh, I think Gaz O'Connor told us it. Yeah, well, the dressing room wasn't the best place to be after the game, and Pat, Pat got sent off at the end, you know. And I had—I had to go. His glasses were steamed up, weren't they? Yeah, he, he, he went like that to the the the, the, the heart supporters. So I had to go at the front of the dugout. Imagine. <laughs> You know, the, the, all the heart supporters there and I'm there and it, it was very, very difficult. I, it, there was problems in the dressing room after it, but I, I never got involved with that. It, was, uh, it wasn't a good day to be involved, I've got to say. Mm -hmm. And Hibs let their supporters down badly that day. What about, uh, how did Jim react when you took that Hibs, Hibs job, sorry? Well, before I took it, I spoke to Jim about it, you know, because, uh, you know, it, it was a, it's a, a big thing to do to go for hearts to yeah. Hibs. Uh, but it was a big club, you know, and uh, Jim says, yeah, you've got to go for it. And, uh, no problem at all. And uh, I mean, Jim was a big jumbo all his life, but, uh, you know, he says, you've got to go for it. And did, did you get a text from him after that final? Or a phone no, call? No, I think he was at the final that day. Uh, I didn't get a text from him. I didn't take any text from anybody that no. day. I didn't even, didn't even re in fact, I've never ever watched that game. Really? No, I've never watched that game. I, I, I didn't want to watch that. You know, I'm party to that result, and I'm no proud of it. And the uh, it wasn't one of the best days of my life. That. And then, did you fall out with Pat Pat Fenley? No, I never fell out with Pat. What happened was that the uh, my contract was up at the end of the season, and it, before the season ended, Pat says to me, "I want to keep you, Billy. 
you know, I'm really happy with everything here. And the, uh, you know, we've got someone fixed up in the, the close season. I'll get to uh, the chairman, uh, Rod Petrie, to phone you. <coughs> so, uh, oh, the summer, I, I never bothered because and I phoned up pay Pat and said, Rod's no phone. He's, oh, I'll get into him again. And it was the time that Rangers were going into administration getting put down the leagues. That, that was the same close season. So we're getting near the start and I phoned Pat up. He wouldn't answer my phone calls. And then I eventually answered. I said, look, Pat, you know, we're starting training shortly. What, what, what's the score? And I'm going to have to let you go, Billy, with the Rangers thing and that. I said, well, Pat, that, that's fair enough. If you'd told me that before, I said, because nothing against that, you know, the contract was up. You know, because I could have went to Dunferland you know, gym. with Jim, mm -hmm. but they had been relegated and I wanted to stay in the top league if I could. And he says, well, you know, I've got to get rid of people now. And I says, well, Pat, you know, fair enough. I says, but you should have told me that earlier. You let me down here. And I said, I never let you down. And that's the last time I spoke to him. Well, I did speak to him. I didn't speak to him for a wee while, but then when I went back to Hearts, we, Hearts were his last game. Ryan Stevenson scored the winner at Easter Road and they resigned after the game. How is that seeing him again? All right, all right, all right. As I say, what's done is done. Yeah. You know, no point in uh, <coughs> holding grudges. We wasted time, wasted time. And, you know, he, he, we, beat, we beat them that night in the League Cup. Uh, Ryan Stevens scored a cracker and part packed in after that. You know? uh -huh. Just going to say, you went back to Hearts 2012 13 to but it was desperate times at the club. How, how tough was it to see your, your club like that? It was, it was, yeah. and it was very difficult. I went back without wages, you know. Uh, Oh, did you go back for nothing? Yeah, I went back for nothing. I, I got paid later on, uh, but I went back because, you know, I wanted to help Lockie and, you know, I'd been twice at the Hearts and it was great. It's great to be at the Hearts. Mm. Anybody that's at the Hearts and management should cherish it because it's a great place to be. He, uh, I went and, and I thought we did extremely well. I thought Lockie did quite a sell it extremely well. He, uh, we we got, brought good boys through. And we just about did without the 15 point deduction, women they've been bought in the league. Yeah. You know, and uh, I thought that uh, Gary got a real raw deal there. Do you think he could have, could have been a good manager, Gary Luck? Yeah, I think he could have been a good manager. Uh, it was difficult for him after that. You know, he went to Kilmarnock after that, but uh, Hearts was his club, and that's where he wanted to be. And I thought he got treated. In fact, the two of us didn't get treated really well. You know, there's certain ways to do things, and that wasn't done right. But that's done and dusted now as well. And the uh, what, what, what bugged me about the whole thing, in the background when we were working our backsides off trying to get these players to play and we got them to play, you know, it had already been, or it looked like it'd be, the deal had been done with Craig Levine and that, you know. Yeah, behind you, back again. Yeah, yeah, wh wh which isn't good, which isn't good. But, you know, all done now. Uh, just last on your managerial roles, uh, I need to ask you about East yeah. and your, your after, yeah, after uh, the match interview, yeah. I absolutely loved it. What happened? You just oh, the the, the, the uh, these five one. I I, I mean, I, I, I was I was frustrated. I always uh, you know you're always emotional. It was at half time it all started because uh, when I went to East Fife, they were sitting bottom of the league, and but the boys were trying their hardest and and you know working really hard and and, and getting getting better. And uh, the first time we were one nine down, I think it was Stennis Muir we were playing, and the the boys were coming across. The dugout was at the far side of East Fife at that time, so you had to walk across. So when the players had gone off, the, the, the crowds, the reception of the crowd booing them. And when I got there, the woman that was making the half-time raffle draw was walking by with a microphone. I thought, geez, I had that. So I took the microphone and I, I says to everybody, these boys are trying their hardest. Now, if everybody's no happy, come to see me and I'll give them their money back. <laughs> you I said got, this at half-time on the mic? Aye, on the mic. <laughs> I got in the dressing room, I thought, I remember we made a mistake there. But anyway, after the game, <laughs> after the game, it, it was Stennis Muir that released that. I should have got a cut of the, whatever that was. But yeah, I was so frustrated that, that, that the board of directors there were working their backside off and putting as much money as they could. And the players were trying hard. It, it wasn't me that was shouting out at me, it was the players. But the, the, I was trying my hardest and everybody was trying hard to avoid relegation. And there was a section of the people, just all they were doing was coming to barrack the team. And, and I felt really... Frustrated about that, and that's why I, I, I did. I've never watched that. My son told me about it, said it had went viral. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what viral meant. He, uh, and I've never, I watched the first 10 seconds and thought, oh, I'm not watching that in that case. <laughs> yeah, but I got a, a big reaction to that. Jim White, bit. wasn't it? You know, did Jim White know get you on Sky? Yeah, I was on Sky with that, and they, uh, I got a lot of 
uh, things from managers in England and coaches in England uh, saying that uh, well done. You know, that's how we all feel. Really, then? We're scared to do it. But big man managers like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Uh, ever getting back in? Or is that you done? Well, I think I'm done. I'm the, I'm the chairman of the Managers and Coaches Association. Right. He, uh, I'll have to see about that now you're a coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think so. I would love to have went back to the Hearts to help them in their situation, but I don't think that's going to happen. He, uh, I take, I took my grandson to uh, Musburgh Windsor 2010s as a granddad, and now I coach the team. Oh dear, right? Aye. Can't help it's the hardest job I've ever had in my life. Ringling, Stan, Collimore, and all these Gary characters, they, uh, they're easier to handle than these uh, nine-year-olds. So that's what I do in a, a twice a week on a Sunday. And uh, I think Gemini's turn has gone, and really, I think they've got a shelf life in that. I still believe that, that the way we went about things is the way everybody should be going about things. The uh, possessions become more important than points, which is nonsense. Football philosophies uh, have become more important than winning the games. And it doesn't matter what your football philosophy is, if you want to pass, 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 if you want to play it long, you've got to find a way to win each game. And the problem is people don't change and they've got to change. They've got to find ways. It's all about winning and it's no easy. <laughs> Just finally, Billy, how do you look back on all the memories you've created over the years? Great. Great. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got no regrets. Uh, I tried my best. Every day that I ever went into a football club, I did the best for all the clubs I was at. The three I played for, and all the ones I've been at since then, and the uh, you know thoroughly enjoyed it. Brilliant, great to have you on. Thanks very okay. much, mate. Cheers, Paul. Cheers, Paul. Have you heard Posh Nushgal's brand new In Conversation series podcast? Somehow, she's managed to get all the best Michelin-starred chefs in the UK to tell her all their secrets. If you're passionate about the restaurant industry or just up for a bit of culinary gossip, find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you generally listen. Remember, it's In Conversation with Posh Nushgal by Shalina Tobin. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.